Sasswap is a show about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, the hopers, and those who have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit our Facebook page. This is Sasswood, a show about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Matsky, and it is my continual pleasure and privilege to introduce to you my co-host, Andy. Greetings from the other side of the TV train. <laughs> nice to see you. So what's going on these days? Oh, we went to church today. That was fun. Um, you did a baptism. I did. Yeah. And yeah, I remember that. It was, it, was about- it was Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday this Sunday when we're recording. Um, since I'm a part of the tenor bass choir, we did a processional with palm fronds holding palm branches. That was fun. Also potentially dangerous. Yes. <laughs> Don't hold it to the side. You're going to whack someone in the head. <laughs> Be forever memorable. And for... you have to hold your music in the other hand. And if you drop, it'll go whack. At least I assume it it'll just... go whack. I don't mean... People don't understand how much dexterity... See you need to sing in a choir yeah, people don't realize all the pressure you have when you're in a choir people think it's simple but no it's not there's a lot of pressure <laughs> there's actually not any pressure yeah. really but with our group we'll Especially probably not in your off. section yeah. you're, you've got a fun section yeah. that you're in we did have one little mishap which was um all the people wanted to sit in one row and there wasn't enough room so we had like <laughs> all had to back up and go into the the second row. I missed that part somehow. We were like, oh, oh, oh. Well, speaking of Palm Sunday, um, you were born on a Palm Sunday, and all of which is to say that your birthday is coming up in the coming week on Thursday. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Monday, Thursday. <laughs> I was is my born birthday. one time. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> um, so do you have um, anything that you're looking forward to as far as your birthday is concerned? I am looking forward to spending it with family and friends. That's what I want for my birthday, since they don't normally show up. No. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to spending time with family, because we haven't spent a lot of time with Grandpa, really. And speaking of my other grandparents, they were giving us the business last night about not mentioning them on small town monsters live so grammy and grampy matsky big shout out to them um we would be nothing without yes you. Um, literally we literally would not- <laughs> we would not be here without you two um you you guys have been amazingly involved with some things with Sasswood. um and not crypto things, but not with us. Something recently that they did was they went of their own free will on a side trip to Point Pleasant. Um, they were coming back from South Carolina and they stopped in Point Pleasant. My grandmother's like, how far away is that? And they, they took the side trip. That's amazing. Just sent us a selfie of them with the Mothman statue, which was crazy it's classic we now have it framed and hanging in our living room just just a big fat head maybe a fat head (laughs) their faces 
<laughs> with the fat man. heads. Looking over. Oh. No, they're fat. They're big. Oh. They're big. They're big. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> no. Don't worry. I'll heads. edit this out. They're big heads. <laughs> what else have they been involved? What else have they been involved Just with? Just everything. I mean, they everything. met Seth at the first Willoughby Hills Small Town Monsters mm-hmm. Symposium. And I, we got a picture of Seth with my mom and dad there, too. So um, they've just they've been supportive the whole way yeah, through. Yeah, they've helped out Small Town Monsters with Kickstarters. And I drew Grampy's name from a hat with the live Kickstarter right. video. There was no nepotism there at all. None whatsoever. It was verified by one of those law firms that yeah. came in and counted like, all of yeah. the material before uh-huh. him. So we're, it's it's on legally the level. true that I didn't intentionally pick him. So, shout out to Grammy and Grampy. You are the wind beneath Mothman's wings. <laughs> okay, speaking okay. of family and friends, over this past week, um, you made the news desk really easy for us because about three or four different people sent me a link to a news story that ran at least locally within Ohio about a traveling group of Bigfoot researchers in the Girard area. Where, which part of Ohio is that? Where did <laughs> I don't know. Really, I think it's kind of northwest. Northwest, I don't, okay. You keep talking. I'll, I'll, okay, so <laughs> this story goes... Whoa, I said that really loud. Sorry. Yeah, you're peeking. This up. story goes that a guy was driving back... What's, how's it go? A guy was driving back from Youngstown, and he saw something, and then he saw it again, and he took a picture. And the thing with this news story was, because, and then the group came from California, and they're part of that million-dollar Bigfoot challenge thing, and the guy took a picture, but because he took the picture, and it's part of the challenge. They couldn't show it on our local news station. So, and the guy said, "I saw something, saw something, and something, and he saw something, and he really didn't know what it was, and he took a picture, and then a friend of his sent it off to a lab, their lab, and I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting story, you know, Bigfoot being seen from a car or something being seen from a car." Kind of a Saswat thing. Any news on Gerard? Okay, yeah. Uh, Gerard, actually, I was completely wrong. It's about halfway between Niles and Youngstown, which we know pretty much where that is. That's near the um, Mahoning Valley Scrappers Minor League Baseball Stadium. The thing about that area is that there's, you know, you get down into Columbiana County and so forth, and there's been a history of sightings there. So it's sort of a big question mark, and it, you know, it was all sort of sent my way for fun, and that's what that's I'm sort the of second story. Thanks to people from our church. So thank you, Saint Mark. Yeah, exactly. And the one editorial comment that I'll say about the story itself is that due to the investigative team, there are some big red flags about this story, um, and that's all I'll say about it. But, um, yeah, that that uh, is unfortunate. It gets a little sketchy there. It's pretty sketchy, especially when you have a detail such as was the case in the story where 
a couple good pictures were evidently taken, and they can't be shown because they're part of this contest. And uh, insert eye roll emoji at that point. Um, but anyway, it's nice to be thought of, and that's sort of the point, mm-hmm. is that people sort of associate us now with Bigfoot and... If there's any information that comes in, it's it's being forwarded our way, it's which great. is which is cool. That's what we want. We, have to, we get to do less work now. It's great. <laughs> right. It makes it very easy. Um, so one more thing. One more thing. You mentioned very quickly small town monsters live. Did you have any reflections on our latest broadcast? It was warm in the studio, very warm, and we were all in there. I think it was almost the whole. Well, it was almost the whole small town monsters crew in there. Um. Fun time. Uh, Mark Reichel from St. Mark listened in and asked some questions, which really inspired most of our conversations. It was fun time. It was a really good time. And tailgaters afterwards was a great time, too. Did you notice Tom, Tom who really runs um, Wadsworth Community Radio, Along with his atomic clock thing, there's a temperature on uh-huh. there. Did you see it? Was it 86? 86, and it turned 87 while we were there. So a lot of humanity in one space. But it was a lot of fun. And it was almost history repeating because we came back in another snowstorm. This one was not as yeah. intense as the last one. but It snows every time we come back from STM It, it better not snow in May. It That's all I have not. to say. I'm getting a little bit aggravated with having to... Risk life and limb to record STM live. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. <laughs> okay, I've made you wait long okay. enough. I'm, I'll let you talk. So, there is some big Sasswat news on the Sasswat news desk this week. Um, probably the biggest. It's probably the biggest. Big, biggest. <laughs> We've discovered Bigfoot's language. <laughs> Bigwust. Bigwust. It's probably the biggest Sasswat news that we have had. And that is, it was released on Wednesday night, and you and I are both going to appear at, in some shape or form, the at the International Cryptozoology Conference which is in Portland, Maine. It's put on by the International Cryptozoology Museum. You are going to be the MC, which is amazing. And I am going to be on a young cryptozoologist panel. The other main guests that are going to be there, two of the other main guests, is Linda Godfrey and Craig Wool here. What are your reactions, Dad? My reactions at this point are still... I would categorize him as disbelief just because I can't wrap my head around the fact that you and I have been invited to participate in something like this. And I've been trying to come up with allegories to sort of describe what it it is like to to receive an invitation from Lauren Coleman to participate in this. And I keep going back to sports metaphors for whatever reason. And I think, what would it be like if Michael Jordan contacted you and said come play three on three with me or if jack nicholas said hey i've got an opening in my foursome would you like to play um augusta national with me and uh but even that 
you know, it's not a it's not a complete analogy at all. What it, yeah. Because it's it goes so far back for me. Um I know I probably said this in other settings and I know that when I introduced Lauren at the Minerva Monster Day in 2016 part of my comments included the fact that in the middle 1980s I happened upon his book Mysterious America in uh, our little local library in Hemlock, Michigan. And I just couldn't get enough of that book. I mean, I bet I checked it out at least 50 times, maybe more than that. And it took a lot of the sort of the childlike interest that I had in Bigfoot and the unexplained, and it put it through a new filter and pretty much sent me on a direction of never losing interest in mysterious things. So to have the author of that book and the author of so many books that I've enjoyed and a person that we've gotten to know and spend just a little bit of time with and it be one of the most memorable experiences ever, to have him invite us to participate in this is, I can't even say it's a dream come true because it's not even a dream that I allowed myself to have or knew as a possibility. So when I got that email... um it was just, and I'm still in in a state of shock. And with each statement of who's coming and so forth, it's just even more amazing to me. Like Linda Godfrey and getting in contact with her on Facebook and saying that she's she thinks it's terrific that I'll be introducing her. And as we, you know, as we get closer to the event, we'll talk in depth about each of the special guests because each one of them have their own really intriguing angle on this so those are my thoughts what do you what do you think <laughs> mine are along the same lines i mean like trying to think of something that's similar that could put it into someone's perspective is really hard to do it's like i don't know it's like you have a favorite author and you kind of get to know them and then they invite you I don't, yeah, see, like, none work. None work. I just, I don't know. It's crazy. We're, right now, I can't describe it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's like open parentheses, screaming, close parentheses. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of my reaction. Or like, periodically like, giggling to myself. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, they're, they've gotten farther and farther apart. I mean, a similar thing in my reaction is like, when the Cavs won, I mean, that's similar. And the fact that, like, periodically, and I'm still doing it, they're getting farther and farther apart. I'd just be like, we won. And me giggling is along the same lines. Yeah. It's kind of like a <laughs> very happy, a little bit creepy, happy laugh. It's awesome. It is. So, you know, I, I the last thing that I'm going to do is sit here and say, you know, it's about time or that we deserve to be there. It just seems like the total opposite of it, in fact. And it's just such an honor to be asked. And we're just going to do the very best that we can for the sake of Lauren and the International Cryptozoology Museum, because you know, he's a person and that's a place that is extremely dear to my heart. And I can't wait to see it with my own eyes, too. That's a whole other part of this experience that Really, I haven't given myself much time to even think about, which is we're going to be able to see the museum itself and how exciting that is. So this is taking place over the Labor Day weekend 
and it's September 3rd is the actual day of the conference at the Clarion Inn in Portland, Maine. And tickets are available. If you want to see the full slate, including the schedule and who's going to be there and everything else having to do with the conference, you can go to CryptoZooNews.com. That's Lauren's blog, CryptoZooNews.com. Anything else you'd like to share? No, I think that's it. Yeah, I haven't. I don't have anything else. Okay. So for the rest of the program today, you're going to hear part two of my interview with Darren Richardson. A nice response on part one. And the feedback that I did get was, you know, that was very um, notable in Darren's recalling of his experience, how deeply it affected him and how deeply it still affects him. So really, really interesting stuff and i appreciate darren sharing that with us so what we're going to move into in part two is this was many years later after his initial encounter there was some activity near an apartment that he was living in and uh, centering around a ravine that was right behind where he lived so please enjoy part two of the sasquat interview with darren richardson we're back again this week, and Darren Richardson has graciously uh, agreed to join us for another episode. The, I hope that you caught our interview last week, and I think you would agree is just uh, a fascinating and very um, tumultuous and moving experience that Darren had. But the thing that is extremely, extremely interesting is that it wasn't the only experience that he has had uh, with Sasquatch. And uh, so welcoming back Darren Richardson to Sasquatch. Hey, hey. Hey. Um, so the deal is your 91 experience was not the only time uh, you have, you know, crossed paths, if you will, uh, with Bigfoot, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the the continuing story. Oh boy, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Years later, um, um, well, I uh, the girl I was dating with, we we ended the relationship, so I had to move out, right? Okay. And I found a place on the outskirts of the valley, kind of going towards the river, I guess, up on a hill. Now, the layout, um, I sent you a Google map of this too. On one side of the the street is um house, bunch of wooden trees, house, bunch of wooden trees. And the other side of the street was an urban neighborhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really weird looking. Okay. Um, I found a, I found a group of rooms that's on the, on one of those houses on the side of the, the street that had that ravine on it for a good price. And uh, I got to know the owner of the house. She's really nice. And so I started living there. I moved there and started living there. I lived there for uh, just under a year, I think. Um, I had no idea what I was moving into. Um. I wasn't prepared for it. I may have had my 91 sliding, but what happened there, I was not prepared for. Um, things looked like it was, they were normal, or as normal as my world is anyway. Um, okay. Until my cat started hiding. Her name, my cat's name is Chicken. It's a long story. Okay. <laughs> uh, she she just passed away now a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I miss her. Uh, it started with her start hiding. Now, Chicken isn't afraid of nothing. She's, you know, she 
she just what she was all of a sudden hiding uh, behind my bed and in, in, in my closet. I'm, what's going on? You know. Mm-hmm. Um. It, and then the noises in the ravine started. Um. I, I sent you a clip that um that's what it sounded like. I at the time they first started not have a digital recorder. Mm-hmm. Um. It was they were pretty pretty loud uh, wailing moans. I couldn't, and I couldn't identify, and sometimes there would be this smell that would become kind of, um, that's what I'm looking for, um, coming right up out of the ravine, I could smell it, it was really, I knew I'd smelled the smell before. Okay. I'm going, oh God, please, please no, please no. Wow, yeah. <laughs> the same smell that smelled in 1991. I'm thinking, oh God, they here too. The, where we were living, um, uh, it wasn't that hard to get into the ravine from where we were living. There's a specific point where you could kind of drop down into it. I, I don't really know. That's what I was told by some of my roommates there at the time. So I'm thinking um, whatever it was in the ravine was coming out of the ravine onto the property I was living on because of the steep there. Okay. We even found a, I even photographed found a path that something had been walking on from the edge of the ravine up to the up to the um, the house. Um, so it, it was it, that, this one go on night after night. But cat hiding. And sometimes I smell the smell. Sometimes it would. Sometimes I hear the scream. Sometimes it wouldn't. But the always a trigger would be my cat hiding. Hmm. I did have a lot of sleepless nights. Um, I had no idea what was going on, and I'm, and I'm thinking, could it be? Could these things be living in the ravine? Because another site has been sightings, recent ones too. Could they be living in there? I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. We we ended up having a um, we have a, a cabin kind of fifty feet from where I was um, where my room was that um, a lady a, a lady and her kids moved into on the uh, on the property. I, I, I she somehow found out what I did what I was, and uh, she came to me one night. She said something was looking at me in the window. I said okay, can you describe it for me? She said whatever it was was a very broad shouldered, tall, pointed head and covered the entire window. Wow. I says, uh, she said she had looked over, saw it, turned her head away, turned her head back, and it was gone. Oh, my goodness. I was at work, and I got a call at work saying, um, there's a footprint outside the window. I said, excuse me? <laughs> and and uh, after work, I went home. It was a 13-inch track. I even photographed it and um, as I was trying to cast it. And the photo was in the, uh, the chapter of my book I sent you, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was 13 inches long, about... Six, seven inches wide. Uh, I tried to cast it, but I didn't make the mixture correctly. Oh, <laughs> it broke man. off in my hand when I pulled it out of the ground. Yeah. But I managed to get a, a couple photographs of it before I did that, and uh, you could see the toes in the in the uh, in, in the uh, the casting. I tried to do. Uh, my friend Michael he got down on the ground and looked right his nose right to the ground. And says, "I can see toes, Darren." So that's when I decided I'd just try to cast it. Okay. I did take photographs. I did a measurement on, on the window where this thing was supposed to be standing, and I'm glad I didn't pull my arms and legs out of their sockets, because whatever it was was over six feet tall. Wow. I couldn't get an exact measurement, because that's how tall the, it was from the ground to the window, top of the window. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And so, uh, okay, I was thinking, okay, there's, there's something here. Uh, I didn't want it to be, I did not want it to be there. Mm-hmm. I want to make that clear. I did not want it there. Right. And, and at the time I was still doing my radio show, too, I'd be talking about this all the time. Um, 
the the uh, the big thing happened one night there in November. I think it was November two thousand seven. Uh, I was home alone. I don't know exactly what time it was, but I know I was home alone. Everybody had been gone. And uh, I was watching TV, and I heard a big slap on the side of the house, like something slapped the house. It shook the house. Wow. And so I opened my, my cat hid. Mm-hmm. Then I opened the, uh, the uh, my back sliding glass door, and that's when the smell, the strongest I've ever smelled it, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this thing's right on top of me. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't know what to do, so I called a friend, told her what was going on, and she says, okay, I want you to go down. I, I says, I think it's outside. I don't know where. Uh, um, she says, okay, I want you to go outside, go to the bottom of your, your stairs, sit down cross-legged on the ground, and show your hands like you're not in your hands. I'm thinking, oh, God, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I did. I had the crook of the phone the phone in my elbow, so I was able to do it on the phone with her. Okay. Yeah. So I did that, and whatever this thing was, was behind. Okay, there was the, I think I sent you the pictures too in this chapter. There's the cabin. Mm-hmm. A tree, 50 feet where my stairs was. Whatever the thing was, was behind that tree. I could see a dark shape, but I saw the eyes. They looked extremely similar to what the eyes I saw back in 91. Not the same, but similar. Okay. But the emotion was different. Like uh, apprehension, like, okay, what are your intentions here? Hmm. If this thing wanted to kill me, it'd have to stride just like one stride, knock me in the ground with one finger. That's all it would take. Yeah. So I was putting myself on the line to have an experience, and I don't recommend that to anyone. Make that clear. Right, okay. If you think you're in danger of evolving these things, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 we kind of looked at each other, and a car was coming down the road. So I, could, I could hear it coming. All of a sudden, the eyes, like, they almost like they went out or the thing turned away. Because I didn't hear anything movement. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? And then the bathroom light came on in the cabin. This thing just took off down to the ravine. Wow. You could hear it go? I could hear it moving. It, I could hear it moving. Yeah. And I went back inside and thinking, well, number two, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of a number two, great, oh, wonderful. Yeah. So um, this ravine is uh, heavily wooded. There's no, no people down there. It has, it has a, a stream or something, a, a stream, a creek down there, too. As far as I know, okay. uh, and on the other side of the ravine, you can see um, hills and things like that. I actually saw a bear going up over the hill one day. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it's um, pretty heavily wooded. And uh, I did a little bit of research, too, on these ravines. Mm-hmm. They run from Mount Hood all the way down to where I was living. Hmm. Hence, my conclusion, it had to be on a highway. Yeah. It had to have been. That's sure. how they were moving without being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh... So after this after this happened, I went by the digital recorder. One night, I don't know if I want to call it a night, like four in the morning. Uh, I I opened uh, my cat wanted in. She either wanted out, she wanted in. I wasn't sure. Uh, I heard the I heard the the screaming, the wailing in the in the uh, ravine. I'm thinking, oh god, I, I got to get this tape. So mm-hmm. of course, having six accidents while so trying to get to the computer where my uh, digital recorder was, I uh, managed to get at least a 15 minutes. Four increments of 15 minutes of recordings of uh, something howling in the ravine. The neighbor actually came out. I wish I got this on, on, on the recording. He went, came out and went, what the hell is that? <laughs> and so I recorded. I sent it to a friend, and she cleaned it up and took the 
four best um, recordings and hands them and send it to me in the 19 second clip, which which I sent to you. Okay. Uh, I had people listen to these and they drew a lot Fox and Coyote because whatever it was was uh, loud and, and and it was like it was bouncing its voice off the walls of the ravine and I think there might have been two of them calling back to each other but I can't confirm that. Okay. It was uh, pretty eerie to listen to. I mean, you know, I hate to scare people who never involved in Bigfoot. Here, just listen to this. I don't want to hear that again. It's too creepy. Yeah. Oh, I, I bet. I don't, know if you've had, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it or not. Yeah, I did. I did. It was, yeah, pretty creepy. It is. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Was it how About how long did that usually last when they were... The, the, the howling? Yes. I mean, before or after I started recording. Oh, well, yeah, it, the whole time. I mean, like, what was what was the general time frame between when they started and when the sound faded away or they stopped? It could have been anything like 30 seconds to maybe five minutes, or I don't really know. Okay. I don't really time it, but sometimes it would go on longer than I, I was hoping it wouldn't. <laughs> sure, sure. So I, I got I got kind of lucky that it was that night and decided to do it for a long time. So then I got it on, I got it on digital recorder. And when you heard those sounds, it was they were always down in the ravine, correct? Or, right. Okay. Right. Wow. And it did sound like they perhaps they were they, one was communicating with another, or or a, maybe a group. Yeah, I'm. I want to say that the the sounds were coming from opposite ends of the ravine at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like one was calling to another, I don't know. Maybe one was calling and it was an echo, I don't really know. Yeah. But it, that's what it sounded like to me. And it's a, it sounds a lot louder in person than it does on the, the recorder, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. I didn't sleep at all that night. <laughs> I bet not. Too, too worked up. Yeah, that's a very resonant sound. It's hard to, to capture those on, you know, kind of small handheld recorder devices. It just right. doesn't doesn't generate that same. All I did was I went out my back door to my back deck next to the rail and just held the recorder out in my hand as far as I could reach it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got them. Right. Now your neighbor who saw the creature looking in your window, did she have other sightings besides that one? Nope. That was it. That was it. She moved moved out uh, maybe a couple months later and went someplace else. Okay. So you've lost touch with her then yeah okay when you you said you know you you went outside and uh, you know you sat down you saw its eyes what did were they just um eyes like ours i mean you know in all the bigfoot reports they generally are talking about some type of color or reflection right. that that's all over the place what were as, as, as in my first sighting as this one there was Okay. And we had light, because I know there was a couple of lights on the house that I was living in. Um, red reflectivity. But I could see emotion in the eyes. Mm-hmm. The thing was apprehension. I don't want to call it, I don't want to call it um, definite anger, but apprehension. Like, oh, great, another human's moved in. What do you want now? You know, oh. that type of thing. Okay. And it was that bypassing car that pretty much broke up the experience, huh? Right, right. It just comes up the street and it's like the thing could hear it too, I guess, and it turned away. Mm-hmm. All right, so you are, you know, you're having these experiences, you're hearing these creatures in the ravine. Um, mm-hmm. 
what happened after that? Were there more? Did uh, that? How long did that continue? A couple things that happened. Um, I uh, uh, I was taking the trash out one night and I heard something digging in the trash can, hay hmm. or something like that, and whatever was dropped the cat trash can lid and took off down the road, and whatever was was moving sounded like it was on bare feet. Okay. I didn't get. I didn't get a look at it, so I, I just said, "Hey, stop it!" or something like that. It dropped the trash can and left. Uh, that tree that I had, that where the thing was standing by, before actually, before I actually had had that that encounter, um, I actually put uh, organic apples on the tree to see what would happen. Next day, the apples were gone. <laughs> wow! I looked around. Maybe they maybe they rolled away, but no, something came by and swiped them. Okay. Something with a taste for apples. I mean, that's not unusual, Apparently. is it? I mean. We actually had a, on the property. We had either um, an apricot tree or a tree or a peach tree. I'm not really sure. I don't really remember. But um, I think that's what they were feeding on when they were coming up out. Yeah, the apricots on the tree. Mm-hmm. That's what they were feeding on. My uh, my friend, uh, um, she had moved into the cabin there. Um, we moved back to down here together. She lives in Albany now. Uh, she actually moved into there and. Um, couple of nights she experienced some things that happened there and she said why didn't you tell me what was going on here <laughs> oh uh, well you didn't ask yeah and you know things scraping her house and uh, she went out to have a cigarette one night and she swears uh uh now the, the from her porch at the time you could see the gate that led to my where i was living something completely blocked that gate that night hmm. i and uh, she said she sensed there were um being watched from three different directions or something too and so you know she didn't really I think she's still mad at me today about it <laughs> but uh uh-huh. yeah so I wasn't alone in my experiences my roommates uh swear they see they, at the time my roommates the tenants were they saw quote unquote prowlers on the property hmm one person heard a really well piercing whistle one time and you know and so um, I eventually moved back to um, 2008 uh September, August of 2008, I moved back down to Eugene with my, to be with my mom and dad. Okay. So you lived there about two years, is that? But the um, the Dow total, I lived there about an eight or nine years, in this particular spot just under a year. Oh, okay. Shy a few days of a year, I believe. Hmm. Have you gone back to that location since you lived there? No. No? Well, I know the lady had sold the house that I was, that I was renting from. I guess I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah, I wish I, I wish I, I wish I maybe I should have, but I didn't. Sure. Well, it just you know you wonder how long the the phenomena that you experienced persists if it's still going on. I mean, because a, a ravine area is pretty much going to stay untouched no matter what. Right. Right. Hmm. I would love to walk up there and knock on the front door. Hi, yeah, the experience is Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet you could do that today with all the stuff on TV, but yeah. I'm not going to do that. Right, right. I want to go back to something, a detail that you shared right at the beginning, and that is the reaction of your cat. I think that, oh, yeah. that's something that um, we got to talk to Stan Gordon oh, a month or two ago, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that he mentioned on a number of the um, the uh, you know, trips that he made out when people would call in, they would try to mobilize a group to go out and research the report as soon as possible. So they were off. They were sometimes 
on site the same night that uh, a creature was spotted, and he said yeah. he said consistently what he saw was uh, animal reaction to a creature being around, whether it was right. cow or cat or dog. And, you know, he said that's, you know, it's one thing to, you know, sort of be skeptical-minded when a person tells you a story, but an animal isn't faking, <laughs> you know? They, no, they're not. That's not part of their, uh, their, their makeup. So when you have that sort of reaction, it really lets you know Something's after up. After a while, after a while, my cat started getting used to them, so she didn't quit hiding. <laughs> really, really, that's interesting. So it didn't. Yeah, she quit hiding. She got used to them because she quit hiding. Huh. She's yeah. Wow. I mean that that's interesting because yeah. that kind of just adapt to the situation. I guess after a while, she figured they they haven't harmed us yet. So. Um, no. No. Huh. See, that's the thing. Uh, I didn't really feel in a, a whole lot of danger there, I guess. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was there. They were there. We were sharing the spot mutually, I guess. And how, that's how I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I felt kind of a little bit protective of them a little bit, I guess. I didn't want anyone to hurt them. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think um, I think in the chapter of the book, I said about the, that one guy that showed up and wanted to help me. Oh, yeah. Tell that story. Because that... Cause that... Oh, that blew my um, mind. I mean, I put, uh, on my radio show, I was um, kind of frustrated. I put a call out to help. Someone contacted me, and I sent them my address, which was my mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the guy showed up. Um, I'd never seen him before. He started unloading his equipment, saying, I'm here to help, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I looked in the back of his truck. I swear he had Optimus Prime's gun in the back of the truck. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was huge. <laughs> it looked like I could take down a Brontosaurus. Oh, man. Uh, and so um, I said, okay, this is what I don't want him to, this is not what I want. I know what his intent was. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I said, um, so I hear, so so-and-so sent you to help me. I used the name of a researcher I knew. He mm-hmm. looked at me and goes, I don't know who that is. I'm thinking, okay, you need to leave now. I know why you're here. I don't want any part of this. And he started cussing me out. He made up several customers I never heard of, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, you get out, I'm calling 911. So he left. I never heard from him again. Oh, my. And then that stops me from asking for help. I don't want. I don't want publicity. I don't want anyone else coming here. Right. Yeah. That that is wild. I mean, that it it just makes. I it... don't need it turned into an armed camp. No. No. <laughs> and it it happened fast, didn't it? I mean, it was like. Yeah. Fast. Too too fast. Too too fast. I mm-hmm. didn't like it. It just no. I could no no more. I'm not. I told after that. I told very very few people where I lived, including my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Very few people knew my address. I wasn't going to. No, no way. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to. I don't want to. I did not want to be indirectly responsible for the death of one of these things. Right. I don't want that on my conscience. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're animals. Well, and as we know, animals to be anyway. Mm-hmm. One that you know. The the case uh, in Minerva, Ohio, uh-huh. that is a, a major feature of the story is that when reports got out uh, that a certain family was seeing this creature on their property, it turned into a circus, you know, and right. there, there were all kinds of people out there with guns and some of them <laughs> were liquored up, you know, from what I understand. Yeah. And... Uh, 
this family, I think, really regretted ever telling anybody that this was going on because then all of a sudden, I mean, there's there's newspaper photographs of like their front. They have a long front driveway, and it was line. It was literally lined with cars, with people getting out and uh, just coming out of their property. It, it's just mind blowing, but. Um, that's kind of what gets unleashed, I guess, when you say too much. So, you know, this kind yeah. of circles back to a subject we were talking about before, which is reluctance to talk about it. Um, there's a couple reasons for that, I guess. And one is just self-preservation and not wanting any harm to come to, you know, Bigfoot, which is just sort of minding their own business out there. Yeah, they wasn't hurting anybody. Maybe it's scaring me a little bit coming up, getting apricots and trying to have, uh, trying to want something from me that I don't know what they wanted. But uh, they weren't hurting anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so why was I going to go out and cause it to be hurt? Right. And I just felt kind of protective of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, my house, my ravine type thing. You know, they're my creatures. I don't know. So I, you know, you guys can live here, and I'll do the best I can to make sure no one bothers you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You may I remember have... the last day I was there, too. I said goodbye to the ravine. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that. I said, I, said, I, I, said uh, I looked back there, I said goodbye, guys, and, huh. and left. Whether they heard me or not, I don't know, but you know. Well, yeah, who knows? You may have answered this question already. Forgive me if you have. But the you know the neighbor who had the sighting of the... Yeah. Looking, did she have kids? Were there children around? Uh, the, uh, the, the, the lived on the property there? Yeah. Yes, she did. Okay. I mean, I'm just curious because sometimes that seems to bring out some curiosity on the part of uh, Bigfoot and many stories that you hear, you know, that they yeah. feel less she threatened. There. She couldn't figure out why her, her kids' uh, um, play balls, the little ball they play with, kept coming up missing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why they kept coming and missing she couldn't figure it out well of course I probably already knew the answer I could have told her but I didn't yeah you know when she told you about the the sighting that she had uh-huh. did, did she seem phased by that or was it matter of fact or what what was her emotion uh what? she was startled I guess um startled um kind of startled kind of shocked a little bit I guess she felt better when she told me. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't think these things are going to hurt you. They're like just curious, but I don't really know. But so just, you know, don't bother them. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and she actually drew a um, head and shoulders for me that she saw. It looked similar to my drawing. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't know what happened to the drawing. I, I sometimes have some thoughts. I wish I could put it in the book. Yeah. Yeah, talk about the book a little bit. You know, when did you decide to start writing that? And, um, you know, what what finally tipped you over the edge to say, you know, I need to tell this story in a uh, written form? Well, I guess because I thought for a while I got tired of telling my story, but I'm going to put it in written form. Okay. And so I read I read two books, the, um, Valley of the Skookum and mm-hmm. uh, Memoirs of a Monster Hunter. One was about experience, one was about um, looking for the thing. I'm thinking, I can write a book commanding both. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote, I wrote, and then I, then I wrote my book. I wrote in three months. Wow. And it's how long it took me to get three months, another two to get it published. Yeah. I 
sent it to a publisher, and he was interested in publishing it, but he took too long getting back to me, so I took matters into my own hands and self-published it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely an option these days yeah. that is um, understandably, I think, more friendly to an author, especially with a, a story like this where, right. you know, you got a... Um, your audience has to find you in a certain way, and uh, right. that's cool, though. So, I mean, as far as writing books is concerned, three months is, it sounds like a long time, but it's pretty fast. I mean, did you find that you were like, these? your experience was sort of tumbling out, <laughs> trying to get on the paper? Uh, you, you could say that. I wrote the, my chapter four first, which is my writing, and that's the first one I wrote was that. Okay. Then I went back and wrote all the other. Yeah. I think I wrote, let's see, I wrote chapter four first, then chapter 11, and then another one. And they kind of, they kind of get it out of order because I wanted to get the information out while it was so fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I was writing in spare, spare, in spare time at work and you know, at home, every place I could get a chance to do it. And then I'd go home and type it up and type it up when I was done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ha- having done a little bit of writing myself, not a book, but um, other types of writing, I just, I've found that to be true, that when you when you know what you want to say, there's sort of an urgency to get it out. And, uh, right. So having, you know, writing whenever you have the opportunity to do it is, you know, I relate to that a lot. Have you, What kind of response have you gotten on it? Have you had people um, talk to you about what they've read? Yeah, people have contacted me with their stories and people want me to write another one. I, I could write a second Bigfoot book, but it's going to be nothing compared to what this one was. I should get the outline for ready to go in a, a preliminary title. But I, I stopped doing it thinking, it's not going to be anything. It's not going to be as interesting as this one. So I, did, I, I decided not to do write a second one. Okay. I thought about issuing a updated version of the, my first one with some of the, some of the spacing and uh, wording corrected, maybe some stuff added to it. But I thought, I think I'll just leave it as it stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because it is, in many ways, a, a very personal, very personal book, you know? I mean, it, it's that's right. obvious, but that's uh, why it's so compelling as well, is that you know, you're, right. you're giving details that only you can give, because you lived it. And I know just from a reading standpoint, it, that's, I don't know, I gravitate towards works like that, because it, you just have these you know, slice of life details in there that make it, you, you're sort of having the experience along with you, and it's it's compelling. It's really good. It, yeah, it was like I was in the wrong place at the right time or the right place. <laughs> yeah. Put it like that, but that's how I felt. Right. So, I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, you know, I, I guess anytime people talk about Bigfoot, ultimately, they kind of come around to questions of, so what do you think they are? And I know that that's kind of, um, you know, we're all speculating, I guess, when you get there, but right. what are your thoughts on that that you're willing to share? What do you what do you think we're dealing with here? I think it's flesh and blood. I don't think it's a paranormal extraterrestrial thing. I'm not in, I'm not in that camp. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, I think it's flesh and blood. I think it's extremely intelligent, as intelligent as us, maybe more, um, because it's so adept at hiding. Um, 
I don't think they're an ape, but I don't think they're totally human either. My my wife likes to say, um, she wants to put them on the genus Homo, but she won't call them Homo sapiens. Hmm. So I actually, I actually made up a name for them, too. Homo indomitus. Ah. The savage man. Wow. I was watching, I was watching, the funny word, how I came up with that name, I was watching Braveheart um, one night, and I, he was speaking in, in Latin. Mm-hmm. And he used the word homo indomitus, saying he was by him a savage. I'm thinking, oh my God, there's the name I can have for them. Yeah. Homo indomitus. Wow. Savage man. Mm-hmm. He looks like a savage. Thank you, Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That, that's really that's a fascinating idea, really. And I, have you talked to many... Um, and maybe I don't know. Let me ask you this way: What, where do you see sort of the the Native American ideas about Sasquatch, uh, you know, Bigfoot, forest people? How does that sort of blend with your ideas about the creature, or do they? Well, native, uh, both of them. You know, Native Americans are. A lot of tradition and legend and um, superstition wrapped up in their beliefs, and uh, um, I don't really know because I really, really never really sat down and talked with with the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have all they they have had knowledge of this thing here long before Columbus and the Vikings came to America, mm-hmm. long before. So whatever this was, it's been here. Yeah, it's been here for a long, long. And the Native Americans have knowledge of it that if we open our eyes and not open our minds and not actually, um, I don't know what the word is, talk to them or work with them, we may, we may uh, be closer to having this thing proven. I mean, you know. Right. Yeah. The, the, the Bigfoot community, it has to come together. That's why I, I kind of left, because there was just too much infighting and things. I said, I'm done with this. I don't need this. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of um, quote unquote retired from doing this. Okay. I, we we it needs to come, they need to come together and leave the egos as a bind. Everyone needs to come together and share information mm-hmm. and um, and work together and then then the answer will be solved. And there's someone like me who I'm not sure I want the answer solved. Right. Because we humans tend to destroy things we touch. Mm-hmm. And I feel that if we try to discover this creature. And prove its existence. I think we would eventually destroy it. Yeah, I. You know what? I suspect that you're right. And uh, you know, I guess I've gone on record, meaning on this show, uh, in various ways. I have said that um, it, to to a certain degree, solving the mystery is not extremely important for me. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who want, you know quote-unquote, want the truth. And I under- right. I get it. You know, I understand it. But I, I think I sort of, at the same time, I, I do, um, well, I'll say it this way. I, I don't know if it will be solved or if it's solvable. <laughs> Maybe it is. But so far, we're not, our, our track record is not great. And um, I can guarantee it won't be solved in my lifetime. And I'm 42. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I guess the, the the reason I asked about the Native American 
angle is I'm reading a book right now. It's sort of a new book, and it it dives into that angle of things. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing, one thing it brought up that I thought was kind of intriguing was that sometimes uh, First Nations, Native American people, when a uh, European American comes around asking about Bigfoot legends, they may or may not give you a straight answer uh, because right. of the the long and uh, sordid history of the way they've been treated. Um, right. They may know everything and they just want to keep that to themselves. And I, I guess, again, I can't blame them too much for that, but um, they do. Oh, no, you can't. There does seem to be an acknowledgement that something is there and that um, the best thing to do is just to let it exist. And I, I, that's pretty good advice, I guess. So. Yeah, it's just, you know, um, I, I, it's real to me. I know it's real. I don't have anything to prove to anyone. I know they're there. Yeah. And you can believe me if you want to. And, and if you want to believe me, I don't care. Sure. I just, I don't care. I just, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I saw it. I will talk about it. And you believe me, you believe me. You don't, you don't. I can't control. I can't control your brain. I, mean, I can't control what you think. Right. So that's how, that's how I'm just nonchalant about it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in the day when um, Seth Breedlove was my co-host, I right. remember. I remember talking with him about, you know, when you when you're talking about Bigfoot sighting reports, ultimately you're talking about eyewitnesses and the veracity of eyewitness account. And at a certain point, you have to either say intelligent people saw what they saw, what they saw. You know what I mean? I mean, you would know what I mean. Yeah, um, I, I saw what I saw. You have to respect that or else take the stance that, uh, you know, like the therapist you talked to said that, you know, you you actually didn't see what you saw, which is kind of astounding to me that somebody would actually... Yeah. Sit across recently, the desk for me. I actually had someone tell me that too. Recently. Seriously, uh, wow. Which kind of offended me, and I don't talk to them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't play that game anymore. Yeah, because it's that's a, it's an amazing position to be in, where you can tell another person what they saw, what they heard, what yeah. they smelled. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Kind of stretches the boundaries um, in a major way. So, Darren, um, uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, did I tell you what happened with my daughter too? Uh, one, one, one oh, year. Yeah, please tell uh, that my, story. My, my three-year-old. I tell you that story. Yeah, I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of weird. I'm still not sure what to make of this. Happened in 2013. We had our civil reenactment, our final one in Estacada, which is you know big territory, um, in MacGyver Park, MacGyver State Park. Um, the, during the day between battles. We, the kids, all the kids in my my uh, my reenactment group were playing, and all of a sudden, Lizzie kept Linda missing. My she was three at the time, and where's Lizzie? We found Lizzie. We found Lizzie back at our tent playing uh, with uh, some toys. I put her to bed the night. And she says, "Daddy, where's the little monkey at?" Hmm. I said, "Sweetie, no, your Mickey's right here." She's got a little Mickey. She says, "Okay." No, Daddy, I want to see the little monkey. I don't know what you're talking about, sweetie. Okay, and then she went to sleep. I'm thinking, oh God. This about little monkey. <laughs> we had some uh, incidents that happened that night that everybody experienced. That um, yeah, uh, kind of leads you to believe that we were being watched. Wow. Yeah. We kind of went right in their living room. <laughs> sure. I, I think a couple months ago, later, I said, "Lizzie, 
didn't tell Daddy about the little monkey. She says, "Yeah, he was behind the tent. He was big." Oh my goodness! And I, uh, I, I showed her some pictures of bear, and it wasn't bear. Caveman? No, no, it wasn't a caveman. And I showed her a book. I'm gonna pull off my bookshelf here. The kids, a kids book for fourth graders. Here it is. You may, you may have heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, "Step Into Reading." Reading paragraph step four: Looking for Bigfoot by Bonnie Worth. I showed her the picture on the front of the cover. That's what it looked like, Daddy. Wow. Oh, man. I'm great. My daughter's a Bigfoot witness. Great. Yeah. I just don't, don't need this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, you know, I told her, you know, Bigfoot likes kids and won't hurt you, so, you know, I kept it. Jeez. And, you know, and, and, you know so I, I was hoping to keep keep my, my kids from that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, wrong place at the right time, right place at the wrong time. Wow. Uh, you know, Lizzie, um, being who she is, she's not really scared of anybody. So she probably wanted to say hello to whatever was what was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, so, the yeah. kids have that sort of resilience, you know, like that would yeah. not surprise me at all. And to hear that coming out of your own daughter's mouth, I mean, how unreal did that seem? Yeah, very. Um, because in a Civil War reenactment, you know, everything's 1863. It's all 1863 talk best we could do between us and, not, and talking to the public. But no mention of monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that came from, I had no idea. So, that was the second and final part of my dad's interview with Darren Richardson. Um, please, uh, I want to share a reminder that Sasquatch Nation Arizona is going to be our next episode. Sure. <laughs> um, let's, let's say it right now that this is going to be it because then that'll put pressure on us to do it. Okay, yeah. In case you didn't hear, I whispered over to my dad. Is that true? <laughs> so our next Sasquatch episode is going to be Sasquatch Nation, Arizona. If you have anything related to Bigfoot and Arizona, please write them into us at sasswatmail at gmail.com. So for Seth Breedlove, the entire Small Town Monsters crew, Darren Richardson, and all those on the track of Bigfoot, this is Mark and Andy Matsky saying... Good night, everyone.